Today's guest is Fahim Rashid, a genius that beats me in every single arm wrestle. Please, if you love this episode, as I know you will, like, subscribe, and make sure to leave a review. I hope you have a beautiful day, and I'm talking to you like I'm talking to you on the phone, so. My name is Fahim Rashid. Uh... What's it like having a name that rhymes perfectly? Most other, in many languages, people's names are somewhat phonetic. Right? It just rolls off your tongue. Mm-hmm. The first, last name is usually one thing. It's usually, it's not until you get to more of the Germanic and the English names that they don't really rhyme as much. My name is, yeah. comes from Arabic origin, and the actual translation of my name would be something to the effect of the righteously guided teacher. I, I hear that, and I immediately think of a, a very specific personality. Have you found that you've adopted some of that kind of teacher energy in a way? That's the, some of the arguments for making sure some people say you want to pick the best name for a person that's creating a self-fulfilling prophecy for them. Mm-hmm. They are the XYZ that you name them, so they live up to that name or vice versa. Like there's a uh, saying that if you name your kid garbage and they turn out to be a bum, <laughs> you shouldn't be mad at them. It's your <laughs> fault. But uh, at the same time, I don't know. It's, uh-huh. it's not for me to say. It's for others to say when they get to know me. So I want to, I want to start this off by just giving you a, a huge compliment because this is something I heavily respect and admire about you. You are literally everywhere. I'm talking about <laughs> like every audition Sam goes to, she sees you. I feel like you're on every set. It's like the most badass thing. Even though you're everywhere all at once, you always find time to be there to support your friends and, and be there for the people you love so how how do you find that balance it's all an illusion it's all an mm-hmm. illusion there is no balance uh what i will say is i don't personally i don't actually have many people that i could say that i'm very close friends with but mm-hmm. the what people that i do care about i tend to remember more and try to keep them more in head in mind so for example i recently did something with a bunch of friends where i wanted to give them a present i immediately thought okay who would this benefit the most? Mm-hmm. And a couple names popped to mind, so I reached out to them immediately. When it comes to being able to, you know, stay in people's lives, it's just because I don't stay in so many people's lives that it feels like I'm more involved in the people's lives than mm. I am. But you know, actuality, I'm not. Acting, yes, we do it because we love it. We do it because it's a expression for us. But at the same time, it is a business. We're in the business of sales, and what we're selling is ourselves and our professionalism. A casting director will not call upon you to go up to the production unless they feel they're comfortable enough to this person will perform and not reflect badly on me. People look at casting directors and agents as like the gatekeepers. They're not a gatekeeper. They're just like us. The agents always has in, in their mind, am I going to make uh, money doing this? Am I going to be able to survive like this? Same thing with the casting director. We're always like, give me that role. Well, the yeah. casting director is like, I want you to take this role because if I give the production what they want, they'll come back and give me more business over and over and over yeah. again. Every time they call upon you, I always try to perform. One, to build that relationship. Two, to practice. And then three, it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so cool because you're, you're able to approach it from almost like a detached mindset which is really great for not getting too caught up or or too ironclad fist on on one specific thing what in your background would you say has allowed you to see it from that business like angle because a lot of people they're just like i want to be an actor because i want to be on tv and you're very like methodical like well this is how i do this and then i can do that and that and that when you go to an audition 
the most, most of the time you'll hear more no's than you hear yes. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you'll actually never hear the no because if you don't book it, they just never come back to you. That's so true. even though I'm saying you'll hear no's, yeah. you're not actually even hearing no's, you hear nothing. Again, we're in the business of sales and if I were to try to sell you something, for example, I was selling you this microphone, we could always justify why you didn't want it in our own heads. Okay, maybe it didn't fit your your unique situation. It didn't. It's not the right shape you want. It doesn't have the specs. That's fine. If I'm selling myself, I may go through that myself and be like, okay, why didn't they want me? They didn't want me for this, they didn't want me for that. And after thousands of auditions, that could bog down on someone mentally. But you gotta remember, it's not. It's just business. Do not take it personal. You always try to improve. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect. I'm not. I'm in classes now because I know I'm not perfect. But at the same time, if I don't book something, I don't go back and try to analyze everything. No, mm -hmm. I usually know if there's a mistake, I know what my mistake was. But then I have to forget it and move on. You are not right for every role. I'm not right for every role. I mean, if that was the case, every Tom Hanks will be in every single movie, which is for a period of time, it did feel like that. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, he's not perfect for every role. You are an actor, but that's not the only thing you are. You are yourself. That's one aspect of you. But that doesn't mean if they didn't like that aspect of you for this role, that there's something wrong with that. I love that. And I got into this exact same hole where we do attach so much of our quote unquote identity, whatever the hell I, that identity actually is, but we attach so much of it to our job, the things we do. And, and I love that you're able to kind of detach your identity from something and recognize that, oh, my identity is never gonna be this one specific thing because it's all temporary. And you've talked specifically about like the sales aspect of it. Do you come from like a background in sales? Yes and no. I did. Uh, I was a realtor for a period of time. I was also mm -hmm. used to work in sales for for insurance as well as I used to sell shoes for a period of time. I I did a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> but my background is uh, kinesiology. I studied the human body muscle. Personal trainer. Um. Uh, I used to be obese myself, so I used that on myself to lose weight. I was two hundred and forty pounds, just under thirty percent body fat. Fast forward a couple of months, and I lost about sixty five pounds. I also, what got you into kinesiology? Was it specifically so you could implement it on yourself or was there something more specific? Growing up, I guess you could say one thing I always had was my body. I was always slightly strong for my age. Over years of people telling me, oh, you're strong, I just gravitated towards that. And then when I was a teenager, I actually started used to working out with a strongman who was at one point in time the Massachusetts strongman. Mm -hmm. So every Sunday I would go to his house, push cars up and down the street. Really? Yeah, lift up uh, giant yokes on my back, flip tires, all that stuff. I used to do that Dang. every year. Yeah. Okay. I so, feel like one of the memories I have of you is this was, might have been when we were on appointment or something like that. Yeah. But we randomly did like an arm wrestle for some reason. <laughs> and I just remember being so overblown with how the hell does this much strength exist in a single forearm? You just, you destroyed me. Um. Oh no! <laughs> Jesus Christ! How did you meet the world's strongest man and you said Massachusetts? Yeah, he was, uh, the religious center I went to, he was also a member there and uh, okay. him and my dad were good friends at a point in time and uh, I used to like to work out and he was like, hey, if you wanna come work out, come to my uh, garage. His garage is literally decked out full of equipment from gyms he got kicked out of because he used to <laughs> lift too much and then his backyard, <laughs> He created uh, pillars for atlas stones, which are those big rocks Dang. that people pick up. He has two flipping tires, a bunch of yokes, and then I moved down here, and I kind of stopped doing that, but then I got into martial arts and stuff like that. When I got into acting, am I gonna be the chubby Indian guy? No, those are not the roles that I want to do. I need to change myself. And then two, I also got heavy to the point where I got sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is uh, the, a condition where you do not get enough oxygen when you sleep, and it's usually caused by girth, the amount mm -hmm. of weight on your throat. My case was, my was just so big that 
it was cutting off my airway when I was sleeping. So I was not going to use a machine to sleep. Yeah, that's, so, that doesn't sound ideal. No. Instead of using a CPAP, I just lost the weight and I, of course, lost the sleep apnea. Have you always wanted to get into acting? Was there a specific moment when you found your love for it? I could remember the very first time I ever cried was actually watch, I was in my grandmother's room in uh, New York. I was watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the episode where his dad came back and he oh, left yeah, him. Yes. Yeah. Don't even remember how old I was or if I understood what I was watching, but I remember crying when his dad left him again and Will was like, why doesn't he love me, man? I need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Will. Uh, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm gonna get a great job without him. I'm gonna marry me a beautiful honey and I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm gonna be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? Years later, one of the best memories I ever have uh, between me and my own father was Bayshore, New York. There was a uh, movie theater that's no longer there now. It's now a soccer complex. It's a small little theater, and me and my dad went to go see Jurassic Park 3. We were the only two people, except for one other guy, in the whole theater watching the movie. The movie wasn't the best movie, but the thing is, it was just me and my dad in that theater watching it together. Interesting. So I grew up, let's face it, my parents were immigrants. Like many immigrant uh, kids, TV became something that raised me somewhat. So I always loved film, I always loved TV. And then when I went to high school, I actually got behind the camera and took a couple media classes where mm -hmm. I got a small award for being best media student when I was graduating and stuff like that. Never pursued it because I was told there was no money in it really, so I need to get more realistic, so I moved away from that. And the idea was to go into like physical therapy and stuff like that, so that's okay. where going to school for kinesiology came in. Interesting. Uh, so it was more like a cycle of, of returning back to those roots. Yes, it, it was. And at the same time, it's uh, I just never really had confidence myself. You had mentioned the doing a lot of things through the physical aspect. Well, for a lot of people, myself included, the physical comes first because it's easier to see results. It's hard to work on yourself mentally because you never actually see results. But if you go from a person that does X, Y, Z, and then your body changes over time, you can physically see those mm, and that can affect your mentality. Yeah. And that's the type of person I was. I had a lot of demons on the inside as well that I didn't really work on, but what I could work on and see results was my body. I, always, I still always have the urge to go eat. A lot, but I could see physical results in myself that I stopped myself from doing that for a period of time. I still enjoy life, don't get me wrong. I could still get kicked out of an all you can eat buffet, <laughs> but uh, I don't go crazy like that all the time. Yeah. When it comes to one's personal view of themselves, it's a little harder to look on the inside and work on that, but you still do it. There, there's a, a lot of cool meat to explore in that. Go ahead. To phrase it like a serial killer. <laughs> go ahead. First, I, I did want to go back a little bit because you said that because you came from immigrant parents, mm -hmm. you were raised on TV. What do you mean by raised by TV? Specifically like raised to adopt the American culture? No, it was. it's more of the fact that uh, they were just busy working. I mean, my mm. parents came to this country with nothing, really. And then they had to raise me, and eventually they had to raise my sister. They had uh, all that stuff. Let's face it. We lived in a place where family was slightly farther away, so there was not much family. So mm. our babysitter said for a period of time was the TV. I remember at one point in time, I had the whole entire uh, TV guide memorized. I knew what shows really? were coming on, when, and uh, which episodes. And most of the time on Nickelodeon and stuff like that, I knew the episode so I could almost mm -hmm. recite it verbatim much of what was going on. I am so impressed by your brain. <laughs> you, you have such a tact for just uh, 
retaining information that's really beautiful. Do, is that something you've always had? Because this is something I've, I, I, yeah. I also remember on appointment because we, we got to really talk a lot. I, I asked you something simple about like nutrition or something like that. Yeah. And then you easily went on for like 45 minutes of just super in-depth and technical information. Has it been just you genuinely love learning new things? I, I am someone that is... Uh, naturally very curious and I do like to know things but at the same time I like to say I'm a uh, what you call it, jack of all trades master of none mm -hmm. I know a little bit about almost every topic but then there are certain topics where I know a lot about and just because that's the way I, uh, I learn I weight train about five days a week and usually when I weight train I listen to audiobooks so I'm just learning mm -hmm. new stuff over and over again I tend not to talk about things I don't know but when I do know something I you can't stop me from talking. <laughs> yeah. That. Oh yeah, no, I, and when we had that conversation, I was blown away. I was like, shit, I should have a notebook in front of me <laughs> and start taking these notes. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I've talked to that come from immigrant uh, mm -hmm. parents, they talk a lot about the extra pressure that they feel because being first generation comes with its own unique sense of wanting to basically make your parents' sacrifice worth it. Mm -hmm. I, I was curious if you felt any any of that. It's something that you also struggle with sometimes when you look at, uh, at for, again, I'm only talking about myself. Of course. I look at some of the things I've done and some things I didn't do, and then I compare it to like the struggles my parents went through, and it's just like, I could have done, or I should have done much more. I mean, my parents, left their home country when they were teenagers and XYZ and then now they have this, I feel like I'm almost wasting time because, you mm. know, I have t much more opportunities than they did. I'm not taking advantage of it. So that's something you always feel as well as, again, each culture is slightly different, but there is a thing, I think there is a little bit of everyone wanting to make their pa uh, parents and family proud. And let's face it, in being in a industry like acting, it's not one that happens often. Uh, mm -hmm. People always say, oh, this guy's an overnight success. No, he's not an overnight success. He took 10 years. Jen Fisher, who is Pam from The Office, she moved. Yes, yes. I loved that book. She went for her undergrad in acting in, uh, I forgot what state she's from, Minnesota? Some, I can't Something remember. Something like that, But she yeah. spent four years of uh, in a college for acting, and then she moved to LA. It took her three years to get her SAG card, which she got through doing extra work, and then it took her eight years for her first big role. Oh, I'll have a Coke, please. Is Pepsi okay? Well, did I say Pepsi? No, I said Coke. I want a Coke! <laughs> and then 10 years before she got the Pam in the office. That's 14 years from the point she started acting in college to Pam in the office was 14 years. Michael Caine started acting as a teenager uh, in uh, England where he joined a uh, pretty much a youth group where acting and then he became like a deadbeat dad and it pretty much took him 20 years from the point he started acting to Zulu, which is his first major role in a feature film. I suppose there are such things as gifted amateurs. We can... Cooperate. Emma Stone, she, you know, people know her from like Easy A and she's big everywhere, but she moved to LA, I think when she was 16. Something like that, And she yeah. didn't get Easy A until she was like 27. One thing Denzel Washington says yeah. all the time is, hey, you stick around the barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a haircut. If you just keep working hard and keep moving in the right direction, eventually something's gonna give. Yeah. And I think that brings up a lot about people's misinterpretations sometimes of, of luck. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will assume, oh, you have to just be blatantly lucky for any success to come your way. And in a lot of ways, yes, but in mm -hmm. a lot of ways too, luck is something that's very predictable. Like if you put yourself out there, eventually you're gonna get lucky, yeah. it's gonna find you. 
really weird tangent since you were talking about uh, barbershop and stuff like that. Your hair is amazing right now. I mean, it's, oh, it's longer you. than the last time I saw it. Yeah. It, it's still very lush and shiny and stuff like that. I love lush. Yeah. <laughs> Which also reminds me, you have phenomenal bone structure. Yeah. You have a lovely jawline. I, it was one of the first things I noticed as you were walking back in. I was yeah. just like, damn. Anyway, that's a weird tangent. <laughs> no, I mean, um, it, we are actors. We have to know. Yeah. This may seem shallow, but it, let's face it. We have to know what our advantages and disadvantages, especially when you're on camera. You want to show the, the best you got. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I have three features, I guess you could say, that are stand out. One is my jawline. Two is the bridge of my nose. And three is my hair. Mm -hmm. Those are my actual three best attributes. Then the two things that are kind of, I guess you could say, quote unquote flaws is my mouth is slightly crooked. My right side is higher than my left and my right ear sticks out compared to my mm -hmm. left. So when I'm on camera, I don't show that, but I try to show yeah. those. I mean, it's so many <laughs> actors would love to look at themselves the way that you do. I love how you're able to just have this, yeah. this brilliant attack. Cause that's what confidence is like you you naturally exude confidence because and maybe this is something you've learned but you just completely embrace every part of you without like taking anything personally what has that been something you've had to to learn and how how have you developed the ability to do that the only you only have two options in life pretty much it's either you could change it or accept it i was you know 80 pounds heavier than I am sitting right now. I didn't like that, so I changed it. Mm -hmm. Can I do anything about my face besides plastic surgery? Plastic, plastic <laughs> surgery? No, yeah. and I'm not going to do that. So I like the way I look. The things that I don't like, I change. You work towards the things that you can better. The things you cannot better, accept it, learn to love it, and utilize it. I love that, yeah. yeah. You know who it was? No, maybe. I was going to say Dak Shepard. I referenced Dak Shepard. I, I think it was somebody on Dak Shepard's podcast, but... It was something along the, oh, you know who it was? It was Ethan Hawke on Dak Shepard's podcast. Okay. <laughs> What's unique about us is what we, we feel shame about. And oftentimes that right. shame creates tripping behavior. The truth is that's what's beautiful. And the same thing as an actor, your shortcomings, if you let them be, are actually gonna be what's most interesting. Yeah. The funny thing is we, we spend so much time trying to, to hide whatever our insecurities are without realizing that, well, if only we embrace them, ironically, it would make us that much more interesting and that much more unique. At yeah. least he says something along those lines. I remember I took a class with uh, their whole entire part of the class that they focused on was your entry point. Your entry point was the item that will make you unique enough that if you utilize it, you can be able to find your entry point. One of her former students, he's mixed black and white, but if you look at him, he looks Dominican. She said, go learn Spanish. I'm black and white. No, you look Dominican. The, everyone looks at you, that's your entry point, is you look Dominican. I know you're not, but go learn Spanish. He learned Spanish, and he first four uh, roles he booked afterwards were all Spanish-speaking. Really? Because he looked Dominican, yeah. And I'm slowly doing that to myself, because obviously you look at me, I'm Indian. <laughs> I'm slowly learning Hindi now, just because I am Indian. Uh, well, you know, go to my great-great-grandparents. I am Indian. When you were talking about how you went to lose all of that weight mm -hmm. and you specifically referenced, I don't want to be the, the chubby Indian guy, mm -hmm. what was the representation like for you when you were looking at movies and how did that affect what you wanted to do as an actor? Because I know I talked to Athena and she talked about how for the longest time she didn't think it was possible because she didn't see enough roles representing people that looked like her. Yeah. Did you ever experience any of that? I'm gonna be 100% honest with you. Here's the thing, I don't look at just, I have more of a global view. Next to Hollywood, the biggest uh, industry for film is oh, Bollywood. that's true, and I'm, yeah. I'm brown. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm already literally, I am literally in the majority because there's about two billion people that look like me. And I, growing up, uh, yes, there are things that I 
did gravitate towards because I could see that there was a resemblance. For example, one growing up, one of my favorite Disney movies was Aladdin. Why? He was a brand dude. I didn't really look at representation that hard because mm-hmm. to me, I never, I don't care what you are, period. I don't. Uh, I grew up in a place that, where I grew up in Long Island, it, it was initially, I think it was like my high school was 35 or 40% black, then mm-hmm. 35, 40% Hispanic, then 15 uh, percent white and then the last five or ten percent was everything else and mm-hmm. just, it was just already mixed I don't care I didn't Kevin Sorbo is white but Hercules was like damn yeah. that was, that to me that I looked at Hercules and I'm like that's man and stuff like that mm-hmm. I didn't really notice the fact that I'm brown holding me back just because I don't care <laughs> I mean yeah. yes as I start acting more yes there is definitely barriers and as especially uh before COVID a lot of the auditions I used to go to I do remember uh, going to the audition and these were mostly commercial auditions you could tell I was the diversity pick where they were <laughs> looking for like one type of look and then all of a sudden there's me and as soon as I go into the room to do my audition you could almost almost see it automatically on the director's face it's like okay no let's move on yeah but uh how did that make you feel uh that wasn't yeah of course that did get to me a couple times but at the same times it was more of the fact that i was driving down to austin which is the three and a half hours mm, for these auditions and it was yeah. like i gotta drive three and a half hours back so and i i constantly see that you're going to austin before covid i would be driving down to austin multiple times per month just for the audition so that's seven hours of driving total mm-hmm. for a max for a five minute meeting pretty much that's insane yeah i'm gonna be honest before covid i may have left acting just because I would lose $100 in gas alone just doing that. And doing it week after week was kind of getting me. And then COVID hit, and now everything changed from in-person to self-tape. So it's after self-tape, that was a lot better for me because I could just do multiple takes at home. I don't have this seven-hour drive on my head. It was like, yeah. no. Now I only drive down to Austin for an actual shoot itself, which... I'm perfectly fine with. I know you said your parents are immigrants. Yeah. Did they immigrate here, then have you? Were yeah. you a baby and then? No, I, I was born in New York. Uh, my okay. parents came uh, to this country a couple years before I was born. So, okay. Yeah. So you're from New York. How long right. How long were you in New York for? I moved to Texas when I was 19. Fa- my family moved down, so I moved down with them. Um, the The high school I went to was about four blocks long. My graduating class was over a thousand kids. In my parents' view, it wasn't the best high school environment for someone to grow up in. With me, it was fine. But then my little sister was about to go to high school, and they didn't want my little sister to go to that environment for high school. So they came to Texas multiple times before, and they liked it. So they moved down here. My sister went to a private school down here. My dad is a software engineer. And the company that he used to work for got bought by a place right here in Dallas. Oh, yeah, that works perfectly. That happened after we moved. <laughs> so oh. it's like, okay. <laughs> y'all y'all must have manifested something yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went to college and got a degree in kinesiology, right? Idea initially was to go into uh, architecture. I spoke to a couple of architects and stuff like that. And talking to my parents, they, uh, they said, don't move towards that. And I've always been someone that's very physically active. I you know I used to do yeah. martial arts. I used to do all that stuff. I'm pretty beat up now because of that. But, uh, <laughs> what but, kind of martial arts did you do? Um, mostly, uh, I, my, my experience with martial arts is mostly with judo as well as okay. ninjutsu. But the ninjutsu I did was it's pretty much Shotokan karate with a little bit more weapons. So nice. Uh, so you could kick my ass. Good to know. And well, and that, <laughs> that's years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was that. And then I went to kinesiology, and the idea was after kinesiology, I moved into physical therapy. I worked in a rehab place for a while and it just wasn't for me. So I took a little gap. I've always had it in the back of my mind that I'd do film one day. And at 
on one point in time, I was just like, why am I waiting? Mm-hmm. So I flew out to LA, toured a couple studios, talked to a couple schools down there. Then when I got back here, I had to make the decision, do I go into, do I go behind the camera again? Or do I try standing in front of the camera this time? Because I've never acted really until six years ago. Yeah. That's the first time I ever took an acting class, which I bombed, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I think everybody does to yeah. make you feel better. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I went back. And then I eventually went back to UTA and studied film and uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah. It's but, so uh, interesting. Yeah. So it, it's cool. And I'm definitely going to start projecting on you a little bit Go because ahead. I almost went down a very similar path before I ended up stopping. So I'm curious how, how similar our mindsets were. I did almost the same thing where I came back. My parents were telling me, hey, you kind of you need to do something with your life instead of just waiting around for, for acting to hit. I had the exact same thought. I was like, oh, well, I've always been active. I've always been physical. Maybe I should go into physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And for the, I went and did all my volunteer hours. I was going to go. I think it was Collin College. Yeah. Because um, they have a really good program. Yeah, they have a do there. Collin County has the uh, physical therapy assistant program mm-hmm. yeah that's what i was gonna do i was gonna do i was gonna become a pta yeah and then eventually become a pt yeah then i didn't do any of that <laughs> i missed the deadline and then i also had a thought where i was like wait i don't actually want to do this i just logically thought it could work i wanted to do that because there was a pressure to i guess take the logical path and i was curious if any of that was playing in your mind or if it was just a genuine i love this and i want to pursue it with physical therapy, I mean. At the end of the day, we have to be realistic, and there is no guarantees in this industry at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could quote some of the numbers from like SAG and stuff like that. It's very abysmal when you look at the actual numbers. Yeah, It's very difficult to make a living off of this, so you also have to look at long-term thinking. So yeah, that was the idea, but at the same time, it's just like, am I going to not take the risk because it's scary? With that said, though, I didn't really get a return on my investment until last year. Before before last year, I've lost money on acting every single year until mm-hmm. last year. Then I started booking things. So it's just like, you never know. I mean, yeah. yeah. It seems like you were you were working to toe the balance between realistic and also following your dreams mm-hmm. in, in a way. Yes and no at the same time. Because you could even say I'm still not being realistic. I'm making some decisions now for acting that if you look at it financially or logically, it just doesn't makes sense but are you really going for taking a shot in the dark there is a lot more diversity now in recording stuff there's not that many roles for someone like me and it's just the way it is i'm still making decisions that may not be towards the realm of real realism but i guess that's just the sacrifice i'm willing to make see that's actually that's what i really love about these podcast episodes Mm -hmm. it's able to be a group of people that are still in the midst of trying to get there to get where they want to go It's not perfect. We're, we're, we're still just trying to, to find our own way, and yet it can show still how, how much wisdom there is to be gained in every, every step of the process. Like, mm-hmm. Dax Shepard has his podcast with all the celebrities that make it, but it doesn't mean you can only learn from the people that have already made it. Yeah. There's, and I think it'll be really cool to look at back at these episodes when all of my guests go do these wonderful things, and yeah. you get to see the mentality that they had as they were on their way, yeah. which I think is really well, cool. Not, not only that, it's just that the people that made it, made it because of their system worked when it worked. As time moves on, like the biggest example of that is COVID. COVID was a big thing that, to be honest, a lot of things that worked three years ago no longer work at all mm-hmm. because of COVID. Again, to quote uh, Carrie Fisher in her book, she said, make a bunch of friends with people that are around your level, still trying to get them. Stop trying to 
become friends with people that it's already made it because it just looks like you're you know grabbing at them no just enjoy the process because it's it, that's really what it is it's a process there's no guarantee i've had so many people in that chair every single person no matter their ethnicity their gender their background where they've came from their age they all say I'm just trying to enjoy the process better. So yep. it's funny how there's a collective understanding. It is the process. Yep. That's what matters. But it's so difficult to actually, when you're in the midst of it, it's beautiful to constantly, we always need to remind ourselves. We can have some moment where we're perfectly enjoying the process. Like right now, I'm looking at you, we're talking, and I'm, I'm just here and present, and it's awesome. But then tomorrow, I'll probably be I don't know. Even though I'm saying all those things I'm saying, it gets to me too. Last, of uh, the last two weeks, I was really low when it came to acting. It was like, I take a class uh, every Sunday uh, with a casting director. One of the things she makes us do is write a blog every week where we just talk about stuff that happened during the week, what we're feeling. It's just anything you want to write. There's no right or wrong answer. You just write down whatever. In the last two weeks weren't the best for me career-wise, I guess you could say. It's just, I started thinking about things again. It was just like, what am I doing? And even though I know all the stuff and I know how I'm supposed to look at it mentally, it's sometimes hard to always be in the right mindset. But then all of a sudden last week it was, I got a couple of amazing newses and it's just like, yes, the last two weeks are gone. So I was yeah. like, yeah. Back when I was going to therapy, I haven't <laughs> been doing that recently, but one thing I'd like to share because it's really helped me mm. have more self-compassion because I think honestly, self-compassion is the secret to rebounding and resetting because the reason we spiral, or at least the reason I spiral, is judging myself whenever it happens again, mm -hmm. or I don't know, thinking less of myself, which only worsens the problem, but realizing it's all on autopilot. So much of what we do, we don't even actually think about, and things have an effect on us without us consciously even knowing what that effect is. Mm -hmm. And then we're punishing ourselves for not knowing what's impossible for us to know or not immediately implementing something that is just, it's already habit. And the cool thing is that, you know, you talk about your last couple of weeks haven't been the best and now you have this awesome news. Mm -hmm. That's the cool part about having that dynamic. Yeah. The news is as beautiful as it was because of the weeks of, I guess, the valley, as yeah. people say. I, I like to listen to a lot of books and I grab, I take what I can from each one of them and leave the rest. And uh, what you just said there reminds me me of something from the book 10% Happier by Don Harris. It's kind of like an autobiography slash self-help, but the self-help part doesn't really come towards the very end where, until he talks about his own journey. Something that he had to learn to do was just forgive himself. We screw up all the time. Forgive yourself, move on. You can either dwell on your mistakes or forgive yourself and try to do better. We're the only one that actually cares about the mistakes all yes. the time. I think you'll enjoy that book uh, specifically because Don Harris is a TV anchor. It was just like a lot of the stuff he was talking about on being an anchor parallels with being an actor, comparing yourself to others, uh, you know, not getting the role, not getting the story. And then he gets into drugs, which I did not <laughs> do, so I don't have that part, but still. Yeah, a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. During, during the period where you're going full into kinesiology, what were some ways that you were satisfying that creative itch that you might have had? Or were you still doing like film stuff on the side? During that time, I was also doing uh, judo. That's, I guess that was my outlet. So was, martial arts became that yeah, for you. Yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't the best martial artist, I, but I did have fun with doing it. And to be honest, I sometimes put more emphasis on doing stuff with judo, the uh, judo club than actually classwork. So some of my grades suffered with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, film, again, it's something I always had in the back of my mind, but it's something I did really pursue until I got to a certain point and it was like okay. why am I waiting so you just went full focus 
full focus on on pe- on kinesiology like you you just kind of went full steam I want to say full focus I was also kind of like what am I going to do next is this what I want to do it's the same uh, period like most other college students have especially when you get closer toward the end of a program you're just like is this really what I'm going to spend the rest of my life with and then I I did physical therapy for I uh, worked as a in a rehab facility for a while as well and just like I don't know if this is right for me like what kind of rehab people that had brain injuries so a lot of them had physical ailments as well because of those brain injuries like uh some of them were caused by car accidents so they had mm. physical ailments plus the brain injuries like there was one person that was there cuz out of nowhere the meninges of his brain just popped the lining of his brain popped for no reason at all and they have no idea why and it's just like this guy lost everything just because we don't know why what was it like being around like surrounded by that much trauma did it weigh on you when you weren't at work as well not really um you had a good separation yeah it it didn't weigh on me that much because at the same time i'm also someone that helps looks after my grandparents and it's just like as you get old things happen and you can either dwell on it or live with it and i guess yeah there are sometimes you dwell on it and like you think of certain things and it's it's sad but at the same time to paraphrase a saying by the buddha you know it's usually translated to life is suffering it's not life is suffering it's life is impertinence nothing ever stays nothing is ever in a stasis it's always moving always in flux i I love that because it perfectly surmises (laughs) it perfectly summarizes kind of your very essence which is you're so good at just kind of like um from my perspective you just you keep moving you keep uh you take every every hit in stride and um i know i've been trying to say things like oh yeah you shouldn't dwell on stuff and it comes from me having a history of dwelling on things Mm. Has that lesson you've learned of just not dwelling and just keep going in stride derived from having to... Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I've for I've been depressed in my life for years. Literally for almost 10 years, I had the same dream, waking up in my own funeral and no one is there. Mm. I had a feeling that I was pretty much worthless. That I mean nothing to this world. I've wasted a lot of time already in my life just because I was just so much in my own head. Plus, I had th- uh, my own demons I was dealing with. So I'm at a point now where it's just like you could either deal with those demons or let them take over again no matter how bad it is it's always in the past i love quoting things and i'm going to yeah. quote master ugwe now oh yes. i love that yes master ugwe from kofu panda uh-huh. which i i know he stole this from somewhere else but i don't remember where but it's ugwe's everyone now. is just repeating things that they've heard from other yes. people so according to master ugwe yesterday's history tomorrow's a mystery but today is a gift that's why it's known as the present Oh, I love that. Yeah. Shoot. And that came from a turtle. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to write that down in my notebook. Obviously, everybody deals with depression in mm. different ways, and everyone finds their way out of it in different ways. Mm. You said it was over the span of, like, years, mm. right? What was the... I feel like that'd be so intimidating when it's... I mean, at that point, it's it's almost like your homeostasis is to be in that super dark place. How do you work on crawling out of that? I'm... St- I still deal with it all the time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you, we all have our own demons that we always will constantly deal with for our whole life. It's, it's so how did you stop it from like halting you and preventing you from moving? If you're asking for a specific turning point, I can't remember a specific turning point. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier that uh, you used to go to therapy. I never really went to therapy. I went to therapy maybe two or three times during my whole life because it was included with my college tuition, but Mm -hmm. I never really pursued it, even though I probably should have. What helped me get over it was just more learning. I read a lot of books, listened to a lot of books on different mindsets and different ways to live life. And I took what worked and what didn't work for me. I just left it. That's why there's so many 
different like quote unquote self-help books and mm-hmm. you know the self-help industry is a lot of it is fake let's face it there is a lot of bs in it but you take whatever nugget of wisdom that will work for you and you work with that and that's what my journey was was getting over that really mm-hmm. i didn't really see much value in myself i didn't like myself so i had to learn to like myself and also while i was learning to like myself i lost a lot of weight and i started to like the way i looked too because mm-hmm. i used to always just be the fat guy and then all of a sudden i was like hey wait i like this <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't happen overnight and even if uh it did happen overnight i probably wouldn't have seen it slowly working baby steps to get to a point where you're happy and again i go back again quoting let's go back to the founding fathers what did they say about what every man should have life liberty and the pursuit of happiness why is it the pursuit of happiness and not happiness because happiness is a fleeting emotion you always have the right to pursue it to make yourself better to feel happy but you got to realize happiness is an emotion that will come and go and that's part of life i'm gonna take something from your book and i'm gonna quote ethan hawk oh go ahead happiness is the pursuit of happiness it's funny my son today my son's 16 and you know he's studying history and everything as he does and he was thinking about the expression the pursuit of happiness and he was like isn't that actually everything it's the pursuit of it people think it's going to be grabbing it holding it like I can own it, like I can put it in my bank account or I can build it or I can, it's actually the pursuit of happiness is happiness. Yeah. It's, it's relationships. When you think back in the favorite moments of your life, they're like, go into the party. You, you yeah. know, it's, it's walking somewhere through the park when it snowed. They're all, it's always so simple. The actual process of anything is where you find all of the joy, all of the fulfillment, all, yeah. all of everything. And then another person I'm going to quote is actually my beautiful girlfriend, Samara. Mm-hmm. She, she talks about how so much of life is just positively brainwashing yourself to think the right thoughts and then of course you have the typical quote of I think therefore I am yeah and what I've noticed is it it seems like what what your small steps were were just finding a way to because I know earlier you talked about how you're naturally very curious Mm -hmm. it seems like in a way you allowed your curiosity to be the thing that brought you I guess back into the light in a way yeah I might be projecting but no that's that's a perfect valid way to look at it because uh I'm someone that naturally doesn't like to ask for help and it may be reasons growing up that I felt this way. That like if I asked for help, it made me feel X, Y, Z. So what I tend to do is I go look for answers myself. And that just, you know, led me to where I am now. It's just grabbing bits and pieces of knowledge over years. And I'm sure that's a double-edged sword. Of course. Because I do the same thing where on one hand you have beautiful independence where you're able to think for yourself, you're able to be self-sufficient. But then I've had to realize that I tend to become a hermit a lot of mm-hmm. the time. It's only ironically when you become a hermit that you recognize how important human yeah. connection and all that kind of stuff is. Well, people, you also have to remember, remember life is a journey and what may be right for you at one moment in time is not right for you later. So maybe getting to that point where you're almost hermit-like was right for you for that point, but then now you have to open the next chapter of your life and keep moving forward. You're never in stasis. Humankind is never in stasis. You're always learning. You're always growing. You're always changing. And if you're the same person you were 10 years ago, you haven't changed. Yeah, but the world has big issues. Yeah. yeah. One thing we did, shit. <laughs> I was about to say recently, but this was now like a year ago yeah. almost. We were doing appointment. Yeah. And I remember you going to school to start like creating films, right? Because yeah. 
are you looking to like start creating more? Oh, you're Shoot. you're a producer on that thing with Veronica too. Yeah. I went back to UTA to study film one because I did want to learn more about film, but two, I didn't see a path forward with acting. I like I said up until last year, I was losing money year over year from acting. Yeah. Then I graduated uh, UTA and with film and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden. I started booking a lot. I started to see a possible path forward with acting. Short-term goals would be bicoastal representation. This may be a lofty goal, but quadruple what I made last year, mm -hmm. this year for film. How am I going to do that? I don't quite know yet. <laughs> but So uh, I, I'll tell you this. Write it down somewhere. Write it down in a journal. There's this interest, and I even hear Dak Shepard talk about it, and mm. there's this interesting thing that happens. When you write shit down, this starts to happen. So I'll use like Slate for an example. Yeah. I had this goal to get 16 bookings in a month, which is un... It, it sounded like yeah. the most illogical thing. The idea was, oh, off of just initial deposits, I'll at least cover rent, right? Yeah. I, of course, brought it to my owners, and I was like, hey, this is my goal. And they were like, damn, okay, that is, that's quite aggressive, but okay. Yeah. January, I hit 15. Nice. And my max I'd ever hit in a month was probably like eight for some reason the act of writing it down and i think if you get into like the metaphysical side of it or even the logical side of it something by writing it down makes it feel much more attainable and yeah. tangible and so you behave in a way yeah. that makes it easier to come by because now you're actually taking the action needed to get where you need to yeah. go but just write it down and yeah Interesting stuff I will mean, happen. Last year, that's kind of what happened. I put a random number out there in the world. I was like, I'm gonna make this much from acting. Yeah. Had no plan of doing it. I surpassed that. If you include 2020, which 2020 doesn't count, <laughs> 2019 and 2018, the amount that I wanted to make last year was more than those three years combined. And I surpassed that with no real plan. So I was like, all right, this year, let's try to quadruple that. The first plan of action would be, I personally believe the more you audition, the more you have chances of booking. Let's get more auditions. How do I get more auditions? Need to one, put myself out there more, but two, it I'm already kind of tapped out in Texas. I already have two agents in Texas mm -hmm. and all the casting directors know of me. I'm not gonna say they know me, but they, they, they've all seen my face before. So yeah. now it's time to reach out to other locales. I think that that's been, cause it's a combination of more auditions of course, but also just the, there's the whole idea of it takes a thousand hours to, ma or 10,000 hours to yeah. master any, any pursuit that you want. Mm. And the thing that's really worked for me is just finding a way to consistently act every single week mm -hmm. and doing it in a way that I can control. So that's yeah. why I started this taping workshop here that I do on Thursdays. Yeah. It became this way where it's not me waiting for auditions to come in. I have an audition every single week, no matter what. It's it's a beautiful thing when you combine momentum with vision. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything just starts to fall into place in yeah. a way, which is why I believe you're going to quadruple. I, I'm going to finalize with a question that... I ask almost all of my guests, mm -hmm. except for Greg Pirtle. I'm sorry, Greg, even though the last like three ones of these I've recorded, I've said, I'm, I'm sorry to go, but anyway, right now, what is the personal mantra that you're living by? If I were to look back uh, over the last couple of months and pick something that I guess you could say uh, would apply to me, it would be stop expecting and just do the work. Do not live in your own head and move forward. I love that. I agree. You went down low, like the ASMR type voice there with that. I love that. Oh, thank you. You're Eventually, I want to record an ASMR with these. Let's do it next time we do it. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> just whisper.
Thank you so much, Fahim Rashid. You are a badass, and I wish you the best of luck. And uh, thank you for spooning with me today. I'll spoon with you anytime. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. See ya.